0: His phone rang again. It was a local number, but not one that he knew. He decided to take a chance and answer it and immediately regretted the decision. It was a detective from the Wilmington Police Department. And while plans to disappear fast raced through his mind, he heard something that he wasn't expecting. Some dude wanted to meet with him to learn more about gangs.
1: Convinced he was about to get set up, But afraid to refuse, he agreed to a meeting. When the day came, he showed up completely out of character, in a clean shirt and a tie. A deliberate attempt to confuse this dude, whoever he said he was. It worked. Press, as his friends called him, didn't get bothered again for months. But when he did, his life changed forever. I'm Amanda Catherine Roman.
0: And I'm Nathan Havey. In this episode of 10 Things You Should Know About Stakeholder Capitalism, you're going to hear a story of a company that deliberately hires gang members. But not only do they hire gang members, they only hire gang members, all the way up through the executive team. And not only do they only hire gang members, but they insist that the gang members they hire stay active in their gangs, which are often at war with each other.
1: That's why we are so excited for you to meet KO, the woman who designed the culture that keeps the peace at work and creates hope for peace on the streets. KO and the company founder, George Taylor, who you will also hear from in this episode, bring us the story of how they came together and pulled this off.
0: And in between the lines of this story, you will find the seventh thing you should know about stakeholder capitalism. Hey,
2: I'm Khalila Alok Former serial entrepreneur, I built six businesses, three failed, three worked. I had just exited out of ABE, which was focused on event and set design for film and TV. After doing that for 10 years in Wilmington, North Carolina, I had this epiphany that I wanted to do something more and empower people. I ran into a friend of mine. He was actually my banker. And he said, hey, do you know George Taylor? I've heard of him. I know that he's a serial entrepreneur. And he said, yeah, he's thinking about starting a company that only hires active gang members. And I thought, wow, crazy, but cool. And he was like, I told him that he needs to contact you because you're crazy. He needs somebody that can develop curriculum, that can understand the guys and that come from where they come from. So that was the first time that I heard about True Colors. I was in New York City speaking at a conference and George was also on the ticket to speak. You know, I say, hi, George, I'm Kalila Canola from Wilmington. And he goes, huh? You know, he was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, the same thing you're doing here. I'm speaking. He said, let's grab a beer afterwards just to have a conversation. We ended up at a French restaurant eating escargot. And he began to tell me this crazy story about a young man, 16-year-old, who was gunned down in Wilmington, North Carolina, down the block from his office. Yeah, that was just
3: you, and I got hit, and my friend got hit. Shame! Hang on one second. Shame! Shame, bro. I was pissed. I can't believe there's somebody out there who thinks it's okay to drive down the street, wave a pistol out the car, pull the trigger, and kill somebody. And so, you know, the first thing I did is I reached out to the DA and the police department, and I said, hey, man, I want to meet whoever you guys think is top gangster, because this is bullshit and I want to understand what is going on. They began to introduce me around and I began to meet other gang members. And that kind of led me on this two-year journey, if you would, with the gangs, trying to understand what was driving the violence. And what I learned during that two years was completely different than what I thought coming in. You know, I thought if you were a gang member, your primary job was to shoot people and sell drugs. What I found though was quite different What I found was that gangs, probably much more akin to a brotherhood than organized crime, they have mission statements and key values that any of us would be proud to be a part of. Things like loyalty and brotherhood, community. Secondly, I learned that most gang members, the vast majority of them, don't do illegal stuff. And what I began to believe is that if you're gonna deal with the violence on the streets, you've gotta work with the people that are either in or around what's going on on the streets. And I couldn't find anyone outside of the police and the prison system that was working with that population. And so I started hosting meetings. Anyone who was an active gang member, we invited. I was up there with my PowerPoint deck, right? Trying to explain to people what we might do in order to stop the violence. They settled on a belief that the road to peace begins with a conversation.
0: And what better way to start a conversation than to grab a beer? The company would be a brewery called True Colors. They reasoned that a brewery would create a lot of jobs. And one of George's companies, the beer app called Untapped, and his vast network of connections in the beer world wouldn't hurt either.
3: The other thing that I kept harping on was okay listen i know what's going on in the streets i know there's beef out there i know there's beef between different groups if we do something if we put together this company how do i know it's not going to be a shit show and you guys are going to be fighting in the middle of the company with weapons and i kept asking this over and over again finally this dude after like five saturdays stands up steve i think it was says hey look dude you don't get it you need to quit asking the question because here's the deal opportunity is a great equalizer and if you give us the opportunity we will make it happen so just let's move and so i had made the decision then okay we're going to start taking the next steps to make this a real company
2: what does anyone think when they hear about starting a company where by active gang members i mean this could be possible but is it practical I understand that there's a mission to it, but will the makeup of the company move people and can it make money? I told him, I was like, it's crazy, but I think it's necessary. It was the first time in my life where I had shared my story of what I experienced openly, because I felt like it coincided with what he was saying. I told George that, you know, I grew up in the upper middle class home. Mom worked at one of the big four banking. Dad worked in stocks and investment banking on Wall Street. And then drugs and alcohol hit and life spiraled. I found myself at 13 years old being put out the house over and over again. I used to sleep in the shed in the backyard or I would have to ride the trains at night because there was no place for me to sleep. I went upstate New York and hung out with my cousins. They were all you know, into the drug trade. They weren't good at it though. I was inquisitive. I understood strategy because I had spent time with daddy learning about numbers. I was able to build a successful team. I provided training and I knew how to scale. And I did that for five, six years. And one day, an our car was pulled over by the state police. I was arrested, charged with a Class A1 and A2 felony, and I was sentenced to five to life. So I served a little over four years in prison. You know, it was at that moment when I was talking to George where I remembered all those things. All those many times I rode the train, all those times when my dad opened the door and told me to get out, and I would walk the streets and cry. It was at that moment when I talked to George that I realized all those hardships and those experiences and those bad things that I felt shame from could be used for something positive, something impactful, and something good. That's when I just said, I would love to be a part of it. He started in July, 2017. He brought me in by contract for one day in September, 2017. He asked me if I would be willing to share my story with the guys to show them that better is possible. There was 12 of them in the room and George, I guess, asked for feedback from them after that. And they was like, she cool, we like her. And so George asked me if I would come back. And so I came back for a week. And then after that week, he gave me a 40-day contract. We were just freestyling one lesson at a time, life skills, social skills, business skills, and beer. It's not that they don't have the skills. We're teaching you how to translate your street skills to corporate skills. Showing you how to go from the block to the boardroom. And we were trying to teach them life skills and trying to teach them teamwork and project management. We would bring people in to teach credit and banking. There were some things that our guys completely engaged in and some things that didn't work. We realized that they were okay with sitting down in the classroom for training, but they needed some activities to coincide with what they learned. So that's when we realized that the framework of the boot camp had to be formal classroom training, a development activity, a special project, followed up with a Beyond the Block experience. we actually took a trip to New York City to see Blue Man Group. We went to visit St. Benedict's, which is a school for boys. These are some of the things that coincided with the lesson. And so what happened is that we realized that you had to teach beliefs early on because beliefs, you know, can either build bridges or it can cause barriers and barricades. You know, one of the things that I think that we have to remember is that A lot of our team members here grew up in the inner city, right? They have been confined by maybe a five to eight block radius. Their belief system is based on what's been in front of them for so long. What they've seen is disparities. What they've seen is a lack of resources. What they've seen is hopelessness. They haven't seen people actually come to their community and keep their word. And so you bring in individuals and you tell them that better is possible. They can leave their hood. They can have career roles, even with felonies, and they can make a better life for their kids. We taught our guys, you know, how to look at themselves differently, how to believe in the process, how to believe in this opportunity, how to believe that better is possible. It was powerful to see them in the room together because we wouldn't have been able to do it before. I mean, they couldn't come in the same room. If they did, they would have guns. You couldn't pull up in the street next to each other at a stoplight. I mean, it was beef. If you see some of the videos that we have out now, you see that Steve and Dune, you know, are some of the best examples of how two people that were at odds and at war, because Steve murdered Dune's best friend, have come together. How would you feel if I killed your best friend? It was, it was two dudes from two different sides of town who was, who was ready to die for what we believed in. It started with him stabbing me after a fight. You know what I'm saying? What the beef was about, I, don't, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I don't know. He got shot. Fortunate for me, I survived, you know? But how can we fix this? And it all started from me having a desire to want to go talk to him and see how he feel. Like I said, man, I just, I appreciate them approaching me, man, and starting that conversation, man. Without that conversation, man, we wouldn't be where we at right now. Living true. Now we're both employees at True Colors Brewing Company, and it's much bigger than what it seems. It's more like a brotherhood. Gangs have initiation, man, right? And so we need one too. At the end of that first boot camp, that 40 days, you know, we talked about some of the things that would keep us down. Kind of how to defy gravity and take flight. How do you defy what's pulling you down and instead use it to push you forward and propel you into purpose and into this plan that George Taylor is calling True Colors. We all showed up here early in the morning on that initiation day. Everybody terrified, scared to death. The guys, They acted like they weren't scared. When it became real is when we all put on the outfits that we had to jump out the plane on and we had parachutes on our back and we met the individual that we would be tandem with. We all began to talk about the past 40 days, what we experienced, what it was like leading all the way up to here. That one skydive jump, you know, that one initiation that said you're in, taking this big step to leap together It's a level of trust. It's a level of unity. It's a level of connection that you just can't make up. Some of the guys decided who was going up first, second and third. And because George and I thought up this idea, they made me go up first. You know, lead by example, Some guys screamed and kicked all the way down. Some guys changed their mind Wait right before it was time for them to go out, but it was too late, right? And then you had some guys that just went out, they jumped, and when they got down, something shifted. Something changed. It was the beginning of the story. They realized that the person that they didn't like that was sitting across the room from them, they had created a brotherhood. It was beyond colors, whether it's race or flag. It was more about character. We're doing it together. I'm with you. And we're going to forge forward and build this thing to unite other gang rivals together. And At the end of the 40 days, I was like, guys, it's been real. But my contract is up. You should have saw them. Their contract is not up. You're not going anywhere. And George extended it by 30 days, right? And he kept extending it until one day he was like, well, why don't you take on a full-time role at True Colors? Gangs were originally created to protect and to uplift their communities. And something went wrong someplace when they began to lack resources. And what that means is that we've created this system where there's not enough resources or opportunity for certain individuals. And when you are able to provide that for people that have been marginalized or stereotyped, it can cause significant change in them, but it just can't be money. It has to be an entire process. What happens when you provide them the money? Can you teach them how to use it? Can you show them you know, how to invest? Can you teach them how to continue to make a livable wage? Success for me is not just people being successful in true colors. If you decide to leave or you find a job, It's okay because that's still success. You're not going back to the streets because you have learned that better is possible and that you can do more and be more if you put your mind to it and you have a livable wage that comes along with it. So our process is conversations challenges beliefs. Beliefs are foundational to skills. Skills make way for opportunity. Opportunity leads to growth. Growth leads to prosperity and prosperity leads to peace. Let's even use me as an example, coming from the streets, showing up as EVP of HR for True Colors and using what made me say, ouch, for somebody else's, amen, it starts with belief. I had to believe that I could utilize the skills that I learned, what I learned from the block, I still use in the boardroom. But now I don't just look on return on investment as money, but also that sustainable return on investment when it comes to people. What impact are we making in their life? I want to use Press as an example. He's just promoted to director of brew operations. Press didn't know anything about beer when he came in, but he knew about products and he knew about sales. He knew that if the company was going to be successful, the product that we had to hustle and flip was the most important. And so he honed in and educated himself on his craft, you know, got his level one Cicerone, like a Somali air for wine but just the beer. If you wanna know something about beer, about hops, about taste, he's gonna tell you proudly. The top way we measure our success is we look at reduction of violence. If there's been a decrease in shots fired per month, then we are being successful. It's absolutely working. Our team members are engaging in positive activities, not just at work, but with community organizations. They have reliable transportation, stable housing. Violence has decreased since True Colors has started. When George had the original meetings, they were coming because the focus was on opportunity. We're gonna get a paycheck. And most people come in just because of that. And then when they get here, they realize that there's purpose and it changes from just being about the money, it becomes more about the mission.
3: Guys come in off the street, especially if you're affiliated with a gang, you don't really talk about things that go on on the street. You don't talk about violence, you don't talk about guns, you just don't talk about that stuff. Well, if you come to True Colors, one of the first things you're going to be asked to do after you get through the boot camp is to say that you stand against gun violence. It's an important thing to state, and we capture that on video and then we put it out. I mean, it's on Facebook and we push it out there so all of your friends see it, all of your family, gang members, whatever it may be, everyone sees it. This is so out of character for our team but after they go through that two-month boot camp, this is very much what they
2: believe. On February 21st, 2019, an 18-year-old man was gunned down Eastside Wimpson, my little brother. My name is Craig Bullet, and I stand against gun violence. On April 29th, 2016, LeVar Riley, aka Black, was killed right here on this block, and that's why I'm here today taking a stand against gun violence.
3: What we doing out here, man? I mean, we killing each other, and for what? then you got some brothers that still want to blame other people for our struggle. We got to wake up and realize that we're doing it to ourselves now. We're responsible for the current state of our people. We got to come together and build something that changes the world, our future, and our kids' future. My name is Dacia Smith, and I
2: stand against gun violence. Let's push for a better future, where we can resolve our problems through conversation and understanding before we react with our emotions. I'm Team Grady, and I stand against gun violence. It's been successful so far. I mean, have we had situations occur that have been challenging? Absolutely. But it reminds us when those things happen while we're here, while we're fighting. There has been shootings, right? And more than one, that just means that we still have work to do. When something occurs, like a shooting, and somebody is injured, and God forbid someone is killed, it affects us because of the affiliation ties. We have to implement procedures and guidelines that we have in place where our leadership is activated to come together and have conversations. But it's challenging because we have to work through rebuilding trust. The process still works. There's still opportunity. We still can be unified Today, when I say we the people, it means all of us. Bloods, Crips, GDs. And True Colors is still having brave conversations. We're still interested in the power of connectivity for people who have been marginalized, ostracized, criticized, stereotyped. And we're still trying to dismantle a system of violence in our communities, in our inner cities. That's where we are. Our buildings should be open late next month, which is exciting. Our first beer will ship out on April 1st. We still realize that, you know, in order to change a community, you change an individual. You change an individual, you change a home. And when you change a home, it changes perspectives. True Colors is still, I won't say fighting a good fight. We're fighting what we're called to do. You don't have to fight violence, but there's something that you can stand behind. For America as a whole, we have to realize that companies have assignments, but America has an assignment too. If active gang members can unite, why can't a country who's called a superpower do the same? We may be different by culture, by demographic, by socioeconomic status, and by experience, but that doesn't mean that we're not the same. All of the issues that we face are always in black and white. But True Colors is no longer focused just on color but on character. And America
1: needs to do the same. At this point, we will forgive you if you forget that True Colors is a for-profit business. The way they think sounds an awful lot like a non-profit, but their revenue model sounds like it will give the beer industry a run for its money. And that kind of begs the question, what is the difference between a nonprofit and a for-profit?
0: Other than the obvious taxation differences, a reasonable person might tell us that a nonprofit does good in the world and a for-profit makes money. I think that's why stories like True Colors can cause a little cognitive dissonance. It's a nice story, but it's not a real business. Oh? Do you remember our first episode when we talked about the thesis and the antithesis eventually combining into a synthesis? This might be another one of those.
1: Nonprofits are increasingly looking for revenue models that help them achieve their missions better than relying on gifts. And pioneering for-profit companies like True Colors are achieving impact in communities that many nonprofits can only dream of.
0: The thing you need to know about stakeholder capitalism is that profit is not an end, ever. It is always a means to a greater end. That end can be self-serving, like getting to live like a billionaire or feeding your ego. And it can also be for solving a worthy problem, like ending gang violence in Wilmington, North Carolina. But the key question we all need to answer is this, what is our profit for?
1: Get that right. And you might find that using your profit to help people achieve financial security creates more capital than hoarding it does. For you and for our society at large.
0: 10 Things You Should Know About Stakeholder Capitalism is a project of the Institute for Corporate Transformation. And this episode was edited by Nathan Church and produced by Havie Pro Cinema. And featured music from Rustlin. Chris
1: Valentine and Emily Brimlow. Ten Things You Should Know About Stakeholder Capitalism is written and directed by Nathan Havy. If you would like to drink True Colors beer, please do that responsibly, of course. Beginning in April of 2021, there is more information at truecolors.co. That's T R U colors.co
0: in our next episode we are going to one of the finest restaurants in dallas texas where we will meet a business that is technically a nonprofit, but one that has created a 40 to 1 return on investment listen to this i didn't know anything about social work but i know restaurants and i start going to people and saying hey listen i've got this grand idea i'm going to open a non-profit restaurant I'm going to take kids out of jail. I'm going to teach them to play with knives and fire. And I just need a million dollars to do it.
1: We will send episode eight directly to your inbox if you visit stakeholdercapitalism.biz and give us your email address. Or if you prefer, subscribe to 10 Things You Should Know About Stakeholder Capitalism wherever you get your podcasts.